Yeah, hi, this is Margaret from Columbia. Um, we're looking to rent a bullwhip for the... <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to I'd Buy That for a Dollar, a podcast about inexpensive, common, and underappreciated records that are waiting to be rediscovered. This week is the part two, same lineup, the deuce, different record. Far Away John, the Revenge, and Closer Up John. <laughs> Dynamic duo. Farther Away John, you brought the record today. What are we listening to? We're listening to Mr. Frankie Lane, Hellbent for Leather, 1961, the first of a trilogy he did on his... Uh, cowboy i don't know his tv cowboy kind of thing as it says on the front here is another johnny orchestrated by johnny williams that's a john williams wow yeah, it's that john williams he was so young he was johnny then he was johnny and he was shockingly restrained on this record too what i expected it to be all huge choruses and bombastic and it's not code for him being broke af yeah yeah and johnny he's the cute guy down the street johnny went on to do star wars indiana jones superman are those all him that's all him yeah. close encounters of the third kind oh yeah yep. all go. the hits all right what track you want to start off with before yeah, we talk too we'll much start with um the closest he gets to being edgy bowie knife where uh Ooh, edgy know, nice yeah, one yeah <laughs> yeah well i see edgy as uh talking about being a badass killer and not dying at the end <laughs> i got off the riverboat in new orleans in the spring of 82 i walked into a gambling house as gamblers often do i had myself a drink and I joined in a poker game. The dealer was a woman, so I asked her for her name. She smiled at me so pretty, but a hush fell over the place as a big man crossed the table, stood up and slapped my face. Oh, a knife, oh, a knife, long glitter and steel. If my gun don't take your evil life, can bet my Bowie knife will. I had my choice of weapons on which would depend my life. I chose a set of pistols and a long old Bowie knife. I met him by the river by the light of the rising sun. Was I prepared to fight him? I feared my time had come. Bowie knife! Bowie knife! A long glitter and steel If my gun don't take your evil life You can bet my Bowie knife will As we stood back to back there on the that, This seems to me like some early outlaw country right there <laughs> Yeah, he, he's totally not coming from that world though He's coming from the Perry Como kind of world yeah. but, I mean, he was kind of known as being the slightly more R&B kind of guy from that easy, easy listening world. But he, he had some big hits doing themes to, um, I don't know, they hired him to do cowboy shows 
a 310 to Yuma movie, Wanted Man. and Yeah, isn't there a yeah. 310 to Yuma song yeah. out of here? Like yeah, a it's, been, it's a re-recording of the soundtrack version, so it's it's punchier and clearer. Yeah, he's he's not coming from that world, but he as the cover, if you out there in the listening world, look up the cover of this. He he wears that well. He looks like a badass. Yeah, I think for, it's real. <laughs> for being, yeah, for being a guy who's not from that world at all. And uh, on the back, yeah. I can see him there. <laughs> yeah, this, the back is more like what what we're dealing with here. And records like this can be killed by over orchestration and big choral choruses behind them, and they they kind of dial it back a little bit on this. Is why I find it more listenable. And it does get goofy, and he there's footage of him on YouTube being uh, on TV cracking a whip to a song, like just to be literal, like like singing "Hound Dog" to a hound dog. They're like, "Oh, you, you you need a novelty here. You why don't you take this whip and crack it to the chorus?" So yeah, he wasn't above that, but he he was slightly more um, soulful than the average easy listening singer. So his most of his discography was not this like country that this is like a thing he's doing just for this record. Or? No, it was a trilogy. Yeah, okay. the, the record right. company set him up with that. Gotcha. So there were three records that were more cowboyish, but yeah, most of his world. I mean, he started out doing 1940s pop stuff on 78. He started pretty early with that and had a long life of doing this. But this was like a blip in the radar. Yeah, <laughs> wasn't he also an actor? Did he not, also? Not that I've seen. No, okay. No. I thought maybe I'd seen that he also. But he also that. did the theme to Blazing Saddles. Oh wow! Which was totally <laughs> random. Like Mel Brooks pulled him out of nowhere. Like you did cowboy stuff. <laughs> let's let's <laughs> kind, do this. Kind of, kind of a perfect match. It was. Yeah, it was. It, it, city it, it, boy. Yeah. Yeah, and it, yeah, it was surprisingly straight ahead song. I thought they'd give him more goofier lyrics for that, but I revisited that before putting this on too, and yeah, it was a pretty straight song for that. You got to get in the right headspace for this. Yeah, yeah, and get the, the full there Frankie is, Lane effect. Yeah, there is there is some cheese on it. Yeah, <laughs> and some less convincing songs, but not, not murder ballads. I, you know, I was hoping a more murder balladish, but more, closer, Nick, more Nick Cave. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Unrepentant Nick Cave head here, but Bowie knife at least it goes on like that, and he doesn't die at the end. You know, bragging about his weapons and. He, he doesn't say he hangs or is in life right now. He just, he just goes out. Yep, I'm awesome. I got this Bowie knife. Freaking stick it in you. <laughs> One of our more recent episodes, we had Kalamazoo's Useless Eater on talking about uh, Village People's Renaissance record. If you guys are familiar that with that That sounded amazing. The yeah. Devo one. Yeah, yeah totally. And mm-hmm. we were talking there how amazingly charming it is when an artist is pulled out of their comfort zone to do something completely different. Like with this yeah. guy. Mm-hmm. Pulled out of the pop. And like he's full selling it he's mean mugging on the cover he's got the dirty cowboy clothes on he's yep. leaning into the vocals as hard as he can there's there's something just amazing about that yeah, that yeah i feel he like goes, it doesn't he really exist it. it doesn't really exist in the modern music industry to that extent anymore well what about uh given what you say what do you think about trans going back to our boy neil young oh yeah, <laughs> oh, yeah. that's great i love that record uh, yeah, yeah did, i love that he, record too didn't yeah. he make yeah. that for his son is that part of i heard that uh, I, feel like I, I think heard... I've, I've heard that, Jeremy. You got any thoughts? Yeah, go to me. Uh, just <laughs> you were talking about me in the last episode, John, when you're talking about like the guy just making Neil Young songs. Now. <laughs> <laughs> that was, that was uh, me. By uh, <laughs> cuts deep. <laughs> you, but uh, I believe you, his son like liked electronic music. Well, like so that's Debo, why he right? Put it together. Yeah. yeah. 
So that's how that ended up coming to be. Well, he was like collaborating with Devo at that point too. There's they did that movie, see, yeah, Human Highway. What is it? Human Highway. Yeah, yeah. There's Pretty a cool movie actually. Yeah. Better yeah. than the record. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Why don't we try one of the the goofier ones if you want to flip it over and play Rawhide? Oh yeah. Just so you get a taste of uh, t- taste of not so no murder ballad in sight. It doesn't quite push it as far as uh, Belushi and Aykroyd, but uh, it, I like this version of it. Rolling, rolling, rolling. Streams are swollen, keep them doggies rolling, rawhide. Through rain and wind and weather, hell bent for leather, wishing my gal was by my side. All the things I'm missing, good fiddles, love and kissing, are waiting at the end of my ride. Move them on, hit them up, hit them up, move them on, move them on, hit them up, rawhide. Ride them in, ride them in, cut them out, ride them in, raw. Keep moving, 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 though they're disapproving. Keep them doggies moving, raw. Don't try to understand them, just rope them. cheesy yeah but i feel an earnestness from him like he really he's having fun he's having yeah, fun yeah. but i feel like he identifies with this cowboyness in a way <laughs> is there i don't know if you have this information is there something in his life that would relate him not to a, this? not at all <laughs> no he's coming from uh <laughs> he's coming from a crooner kind of sound point i don't I don't know. I don't know where the switch was flipped. There, I couldn't find anything online about that, except maybe the yeah, the, the some yeah, the record company and some suits decided that this is a good fit for him. And you know, he wasn't a little guy. He was like six two or something. Some big beefy guy. So maybe that was part of it. He looks yeah, menacing, toughness, yeah. tough guy looking. Well, as you said, like he's no spring chicken on this record. And at that time, the cowboy image was like the ideal manly man image. So he probably loved being able to play this part. Oh, kind of the, oh, the yeah. midlife crisis tough guy act. Oh, like, yeah, I'm that's sure true. That yeah, <laughs> yeah. There was a point to that. As opposed to just being like an aging out lounge singer, you know, like mm-hmm. Frankie. Yeah, and there's a, there's a few less convincing ones on there too, where he's not really belting it out. You're, you know, he's phoning it in, trying on a lot of different hats, but they're all cowboy hats here. Yep, yep. <laughs> I was in Yuma uh, in the summer in August uh, a year ago, and it was 130. No way. Whoa. Yeah, because there's like a prison in Yuma that uh-huh. you can go, and it's unreal. It was like nuts. It was so hot. Wow. It was like that was the car temperatures. It was. It might have been like 120 outside, but it was just un. It was crazy. It's like Death Valley yeah. temperatures. Mm-hmm. What's the deal with Columbia Three Eyes? Why? Why? I don't. That's one thing I don't understand. Yeah. The the six eye. Oh yeah. Six, yeah. six eye. eye. Yeah. The six eye. Yeah. I don't know. It's just a dating a way of dating them. Um, 
Absolutely, because I know like the two eyes are like later sixties, right? Yeah, yeah. Th- I believe this is a mono copy of the super older. Okay, like so that's the six eye then. Or? Yeah, that, yep, that's the six eye. Yeah. yeah, it's it's just an uh, original pressing kind of thing. So a lot of, especially the classic Columbia jazz stuff, the most valuable and best sounding pressing is going to be the six eye. Same with a lot of those labels. You know, is better material used at a time when they can afford to no expense spared for their big records, kind of thing. So I'm, I'm, cats are always looking for like the birds on the six eye. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah definitely. for our listeners, we're talking about the actual label in the center of the record. Yeah, if you look up the Columbia label, there's there's things that look like eyes or maybe an old school TV, and there's six of them on the original Columbia label design. And then mid '60s, they redesigned it to only have two of those, and then after that, it's the kind of more 70s 80s looking columbia logo with the uh, the words just kind of going around the outside yeah i thought i had an original sweetheart of the rodeo and then a friend of mine that knew better than i saw it said that's a 70s pressing so, <laughs> so kind of blue six eye how much that run you <laughs> i don't even know at this point not as much because that was like one of the most manufactured jazz records of the time of all time of, i think yeah. it is yeah, yeah. definitely so it's you know it's more valuable than it should be, but it's it's not like a crazy hundred dollar record or anything. Yeah, yeah, fifty or eighty or something. Yeah, yeah, if it's in really good shape for sure. And a lot of those we found at the store actually play better, even when they're all scuffed up. Definitely, a lot of people like threw out the inner sleeve and they're all surface scuffs all over, but they play pretty darn good. Yeah, That's pretty forgiving. That is part of the reason why some of the original blue notes are really valuable too. Like it's it's partly the rarity and the crazy collector mentality, but those original pressings of stuff on the big labels, they just sound so good. They withstand yeah. the wear and way the, better the than the Stones ones do. too. You can clean yeah. up and they, they they clean up really good. Yep. Yeah, it's amazing. I don't know if it was just they were paying more attention, had people that really knew what they were doing with pressings, working in the plants back then, but yeah, the originals can take so much more than any of this reissue nonsense. And you actually apply that to your, your dollar bin mentality here. If you see something that's you know, 60s, 70s, and it's all scuffed up in the dollar bin, you're you're probably going to get an okay result out of that. Yeah, definitely. Where did you find this album? Was This, this from... came in the store, and we yeah, this is like, we actually had like three or four of these at least. It's not uncommon at all, but I've, I don't know if I've ever seen the other two in the series. Is that uh, your store, Flat? Fat? Flat, flat, Black, and Circular. <laughs> in yeah. Lansing? Say it. In oh, the East great. Lansing, yeah, yeah. Yep. Oh, we should replug that. Yeah, <laughs> I was in the subtly part two. doing it. So, yeah. so, cool. so, how, so John, out. man, I gotta ask. So it's Friday night. The kids away. It's you and Mama. The wine's pouring, or the, the microbrews <laughs> are pouring. You got a cowboy outfit you put on. Today? <laughs> you got a, a six shooter with a belt. Just the boots. That's all I'm wearing. <laughs> <laughs> boots, boots and a belt. Bull belt with strap. <laughs> I'm not saying anything about a whip. No, no, not going there. That's too Nick Cavey. No, no, and no hats. That's too big. So you have another selection you want to feature? Oh, uh, yeah. First track on the other side, the Wanted right, Man, no. which I'm like, oh, Nick Cave. Nope. No, it's not not going there. If you can't afford Nick Cave, look no further than Frankie Lane. Maybe if you just pitch the the, the speed way down, you'll get a murder ballot out of this album. <laughs> Or call up Blicks and have him shake a can over yeah, it or something. Exactly. Bullet in my shoulder. Blood running down my vest. Twenty in the posse, and they're never gonna let me rest. Till I became a wanted man, I never even owned a gun. But 
Brothers out to get me. He's coming with a gang. Well, I'd rather shoot it out by God than let him watch me hang. Bullet in my shoulder, running down my vest. Twenty in the posse, and they're never gonna let me rest till I became a wanted man. I never even owned a gun, but now they hunt me like a mountain. She had laughter in her voice When he tried to put his hands on her My heart left me no choice But was she really worth it? Well, I guess I'll never know She'll be drinking someone else's rye When I'm six feet below Bullet in my shoulder Lord, Running down my vest Twenty in the posse And then never gonna let me there was that inauthenticity you were yes. talking about on the yeah. display. Yeah. Beep, 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 beep. It's definitely coming from the world of uh, well-orchestrated pop. I don't know if I've ever felt so happy about Bullet in My Shoulder. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The contrast between that and Bowie Knife, uh, this is a much happier take on mayhem and murder. <laughs> I feel like if the words were about like surfing, it could have just been like a surf song probably. Yeah. Yeah. There's that that plug-in genericness to the arrangement there. Yeah, yeah. Happy. Well, it started out like, oh, what direction is this taking? You know, this is going to be dark and gritty and then just kind of goes off yeah, the yeah. happy trail. <laughs> yeah. Do you guys remember Judgment Night? You remember that soundtrack? Yeah, where yeah, they, yeah, all yeah. the bands collaborated. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I just thought about that because you guys were talking about being out of your element, having good results. Thurston got paired, Sonic Youth got paired with Cypress Hill on that. Yes. Mm-hmm. And Thurston was like, all right, I'm going to try to smoke as much as Cypress Hill for this collaboration. <laughs> and, and he ended up blacking out in 20 minutes oh. yeah, that, and oh. had to come back. That sounds like when he had Henry... to reschedule because he couldn't handle the rest of the band was just like, nah. And then thir- like within a half an hour was like had a whiteout or whatever they call it when you smoke too much. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> and it, it, they had. Yeah. It reminds me of when Henry Rollins said he tried to outdo Iggy Pop when they did a show together and he realized there was no point. You could prepare no. for months and just no way to do it. That sounds like the same thing. Do you, do you know what uh, Iggy Pop's worst injury was that made him almost did him completely in? No. I don't know. He, he, didn't he, he jumped. Do you know this, Rich? Mm. He jumped. I think it was in the late 80s or something like that. He jumped off stage and landed on a barrier one of those metal barriers and split his pelvic bone in half. Holy crap. <laughs> and it never, he went through the gig, but it never healed. Cause when you, if you see Iggy walk, he walks with a, and it never, he says ever since then, he was never able to see, he can never sit real comfortably. Mm-hmm. Like his whole hel- pelvic bone just boom. I mean, I've imagine that. Yeah, that's, oh. That sounds rough. I've seen him. I saw him perform in 2007 and for being 
nearly 60 at the time. He was still pretty spry, but yeah, nothing compared to the gymnastics he did. <sighs> mm-hmm. Continuing from our, our part one, the other thing that I was trying to collect, nature sounds, John just reminded me because we, we both came across a seven inch of crow sounds oh, it's where it's just pure crow. And we also had one at the store that was a danger dog warning kind of cover. And it turned out to be just one dog barking from all the way through both sides, just pure dog. And, you know, you, you, you get something like that. You hope it's like a collection of extreme dogs, yeah, like a it, field guide but, to birds or something yeah, like that. And I, I have a DIY one that was put out. It's just a plain white jacket with a paste on cover of swamp sounds. And, uh, Droll ma- Yankee was the yeah, big. Yep. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. That was a big one. I got some ship ones on that, a seven inch on that, but maybe I could do that in another part. But the, the swamp one is just beautiful. Lots of frogs going, but that was on my, my B list for maybe doing that today. Wow, that would be awesome to dive into that area of record collecting at some point. Because, yeah, eventually those records got ruined by, like, oh, let's put some soothing music along with the nature sounds. And that's yeah. really what people want. But those super authentic, just straight field recording records are fascinating. When I yeah. when I had a in with Bill Smith before Third Man bought him out, I had a really good connection with a record presser out, out west where he would uh, train people to cut records and he would charge me pretty much nothing for them. So I would like just constantly send him weird records. And uh, I had, my buddy was going to record his wife crying for a half an hour with no other music and just tears for a half an hour. And I, and I was like, do you got, you got the master, you got the master. And he was like, it's so unnerving. I can't give you this. It's like, <laughs> wow. Like, and that just bums me out. So whenever I think of environments records and stuff like that, I think about the one of my homeboys lady crying like yeah. for 20 minutes straight. What, what? It'd be amazing. What's that one band? I don't know how to say the name. The Garo Gara Gigigi. Oh yeah. 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 They have that one. That's like Shawa or Shoa that starts yeah. with the Japanese national anthem. And then it's just like, two sides of like a porn <laughs> that soundtrack and then it just that, ends with the national anthem that, that dude's real weird man yeah that yeah. Gior, Gior, the georgi georgi or whatever yeah, yeah. i don't know how to say it yeah that's, I, a, that's I, a weird guy i hung with this guy in the 90s jason who did an album where he and his wife made a pig like a, a clay pig and he put it in the kiln and they just recorded that raw just them making it and then gave it to a bunch of artists to remix <laughs> And and it, the pure one of just that audio is just great. Just just trying to sit down, trying to get your attention. Instead of you just you're like, okay, this is cool. You listen to it for a couple of minutes. You're like, nothing's happening. There's little things being rustled, and it was a challenge. <laughs> well, speaking about dollar bin staples, we were in New York a couple of weeks ago, and we saw an exhibit on the dude who uh, did the environments series, oh, and yeah. it was all his personal notes and like all his stuff going in the environments things. And he was a real new age cat. You never see those in dollar bins anymore. Like nope. they used to be everywhere. And now they're just gone. You know. I think we saw one at the secret antique store back room. Yeah. I was like, what is this, Sean? And he's like, oh, that's cool. Yeah, we, we still yeah. get those at the shop. We usually. I think it's sell snatched for, up pretty quick. We, yeah, we sell them for a couple bucks or something. And they, people love to get the whole series of those. It's yeah. one of those you get one Definitely. and you get the itch. And even the guitar player from my band, uh, he has a whole collection. He swears by them also for, for smoking. There's the be- best background <laughs> well, for, uh, for just chilling crazy, in the house. Well, they're crazy audiophile th- recorded mm-hmm. things too, you yeah. know? I think there's what, like 13 of them so, or something? That sounds about yeah. right. Yeah, and there's some kind of phone app for it, I yeah. think. 
I never went there, but interactive. Yeah, for for just queuing them up. That's another thing. For, if you're dollar bin grabbing or anything, you see anything that's nature sounds feel get it. It's very rewarding, yeah. especially <laughs> the bird sounds. There's so many bird oh, yeah. sounds records that aren't even on Discogs yet. Well, the the droll Yankee one from uh, do you know that label from yeah. Rhode Island? The, no. Yeah, they're really great. Too. They're yeah. they're ones where they don't have a lot of talking, okay. and they're they're really they're amazing. Oh, I had a, a frog one. And yeah, a couple yeah. Other ones. I have a few a bird one. It's distracting because like they announce the bird in the page that it's on with the corresponding. <laughs> yeah, 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 And I'm like, can I just have the bird sounds and not the voice? There's, there's a Yankee one of um, ship sounds. That's where, amazing. Where what I think one side is narrated and one's not. Yeah, yeah. If I remember this correctly, and they, uh, it's the unnarrated is really great. You get lost in that droll Yankee. And yeah, um, good. Fucking, uh, Watson from. Uh, Cabaret Voltaire does a lot of those. He, he does nature sounds and then very subtly remixes it. He did a train journey one. Those are really great. I think they're all on touch. There's a storm one, but yeah, he's taking that aesthetic. Uh, the only guy I know that does that. There's a lot of ice <laughs> ones too, like cats recording ice and all that yeah. stuff. Crackling. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Get, gets into avant-garde ter- uh, grant writing territory yeah, exactly. pretty quick. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I can get money to do this. <laughs> <laughs> I had a turntable manipulation project for a while and i collected as many of those uh, environments records and nature sounds and stuff and just running two tables and playing at different speeds and backwards and sampling and looping there's awesome. so much fun shit you can do with those records do you know uh do you know the the german dj guy thomas brinkman you know him yeah, yeah. Yep. yeah. do you know how he would his whole process Mm-mm. he would do the beats with a razor blade into an acetate, and that's how the beats were. Whoa. Yeah, super yeah. killer. Yeah. Who's the guy? The, is it William Basinski? Oh, yeah, yeah. The good looking guy. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Disintegration loops. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's the singer good. is that's Apex Twin, I think, or uh, no, Autecker. No, right? No, 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 that's Basinski. Oh, yeah, okay. Yeah. Yeah, wow. those are from Frankie Lane to Basinski. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> By way of the environment series. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's been great talking with you guys. Thank you so much for doing this. Oh, oh you're welcome. We could probably are, do are this we, all Are we day. done? Are you declaring this done, Oh, Peter? no. Well, we... <laughs> did we have another selection we wanted to play? What did we want? Did you have any more um, in the queue? Oh, there was one more that was listenable. I wrote... I made notes. The re-recording of 310 to Yuma, I guess. Wait, we which one? Check that one out. Are we yeah, going to go out on that? Yeah, one? let's go on on that one. That's a good background one. Okay. Fantastic. Well, thank you, John Howard, for bringing us this record. And, yeah, thanks for having me. Uh, thank you, Mr. John Olson, for sitting in on uh, another episode with us. My name is Jeremy Ruggles. My name is Peter Cook. I'm Sean Hartman. Have a fantastic night or day. Thank you again for listening to another fine episode of I'd Buy That for a Dollar. We want to remind you that we are appearing live at the Green Door Distillery in Kalamazoo on March 27th. That is a Friday. It's a free show. Doors are at 7. Show starts at 8. Please come see us in real life. And thank you again for listening. You can find us at ibuythatpodcast.com. Email us at ibuythatpodcast at gmail.com. Have a good day. Bye. Her eyes said a sad goodbye. Said-